Sorry, Mom. Can't talk right now. I'm recording a podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Just a Review. Today, I'm sitting with Margaret, Kyle, Savannah, Delaney, and Taylor. And today, we're going to be reviewing Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Brian Stevenson is a lawyer who graduated from Harvard Law and moved to Alabama to start an initiative called the Equal Justice Initiative, which focuses on death row cases. The book centers around a story of a man named Walter McMillan who was wrongly convicted. And some of the big topics that we'll be discussing today is the death penalty, uh, racism and focusing on Walter's story, corruption, women and children, and mental illnesses and different effects on the families. So I know Delaney had a lot of thoughts on the death penalty, so we'll move to her. All right, so a huge topic that the book focuses on is obviously um, the death penalty and people who have been wrongly committed of, of crimes that they didn't do. Um, currently, actually, there are 30 states that still have the death penalty, which honestly is crazy for me to think about because my opinions on it is I, I don't think we should still have it just because it, I mean, Kyle, I know you had some statistics about the cost of it because the mm -hmm. big reason people hate on the death or love the death penalty actually is because they think it's more cost effective than keeping people in prison for longer. So I know you have. Yeah. And like what you were saying about that is it's interesting because people like to talk about the death penalty in that way because people think that it's cheaper to execute people. But it's actually interesting because like the amount of people you execute is very slim. So like in order to achieve like those core orders and those state and federal um, approvals cost millions of dollars because of all the work that goes into it. So it's actually interesting that it's statistically cheaper to keep people alive in prison than actually execute them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, and I do think people should, um, those people that committed those crimes need to think about it and like what they've done and all the families they've affected. Cause it's not just, it's not just they killed that person. All the people that knew them, fam had family members, you know, it affects them. Right. And it hurts them. And I feel like that. Yeah, and I feel like that's why this book is so important is because people can be pretty ignorant and they're not really thinking of like, this is just a person who, you know, committed a crime, made a mistake, but does that necessarily mean that they deserve to be killed? Yeah. Yeah. And this, you definitely hear like the more emotional side of this book of how it affects them. Because they're still people at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And like, even the people like, even though regardless, everyone's going to have that emotional attachment to someone, mm -hmm. even though they're being yeah. executed. Mm -hmm. It's interesting in this book how like most of the people who are being charged and convicted haven't even committed the crime. Like, and eventually like, right. some people will be convicted and executed even after they didn't even commit the crime. And it's interesting because it's like, wow, it's like they are being executed after all points in all like, you know, like clinically proven and like statistically proven that like this is unjust and not, it doesn't work. It's interesting because it's like, it doesn't work and it isn't right because they didn't even do the crime. Right. So that's really and interesting. If, if you think about it too, before people like Brian, you know, came into that career, uh, hundreds of people had like, were executed on crimes that they didn't commit. And after mm -hmm. the, after the fact were proven that they didn't do it, yeah. which they is just, then they're dead. Right. They yeah. can't, I mean, you can't undo that. Like, for example, one of the main stories he focuses on is Walter McMillan, which I know Margaret had done some more research about. 
Yeah, actually, so obviously the book follows the story of Walter McMillan. And Walter was accused and then immediately sentenced to death for the murder of a young white woman in Monroeville, Alabama. He would spend 15 months in jail pre-trial, and eventually an all-white jury would convict Walter of capital murder, which meant life imprisonment without parole. But Judge Robert E. Lee imposed the death penalty, which was kind of, it kind of shook people because... It was very unexpected and kind of follows the whole corruption aspect of the book. Um, but Walter would spend six years on death row. And this is what led uh, Brian Stevenson to uh, kind of approach the case and talk to Walter about the case post-conviction. Um, he took his case to the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals, exposing just how terribly the case had been handled. And eventually, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but eventually it was proven that the state's witnesses had lied on the stand, which is actually perjury, if you did not know that. Um, and thanks to the Equal Justice Initiative, or the EJI, uh, Walter McMillan was released in 1993. I mean, to me, I don't know about you guys, but to me, it's scary to think how not so long ago this took place. Mm -hmm. um, racism still has a hold, especially on these southern states. Yeah. And, you know, this, again, that's just really scary yeah. to definitely. think about. And it's like, especially, it does, definitely does hold a role because it's like, the southern states have a tendency to like think about the civil war in the past. It's like just think about it, like the judge's name is Robert E. Lee, exactly. like the leader of the yeah, Confederate I Army. Like, I, I think I. So it's like um, perhaps they are racist. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's crazy that someone can lie on the stand just to keep someone in jail because of their race. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like that they think that is okay and that they're they're doing the United States like a favor right. like they're doing yeah. a favor. absolutely no and remember it was like an all white jury that would right. convict Walter of capital yeah. murder so where's the representation right. of him and like if you read the book it's so obvious yeah. that he did not commit this crime yeah. right yeah. it's almost like laughable uh -huh. listening to right yeah. all this like blatant evidence like how the jury ignored multiple witnesses who gave McMillan an alibi for the day of the young woman's death you know he was at this church fish fry I guess um, there was another, there was more evidence that said, that had, um, the state, a state witness said that he saw McMillan's lowrider truck near the scene of the crime, but he hadn't even had that work done in his car until after the murder. So right. it was just, it's silly, it's silly almost yeah. to even mm -hmm. bring that up. It's just these chain, a chain reaction of these absurd stories, mm -hmm. um, you know, from white people. So, yeah. but, um, that was I was especially touched by the black community's support, unwa unwavering support, you know, despite all of this intimidation, really. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There was one part where, um, a, you know, a large crowd of white people had shown up to one of the court dates for McMillan. And, you know, they had pur purposefully done that so that his family and friends couldn't be there. Again, that was intimidation. And so they just made an effort to show up even earlier the next day and I just I thought that was yeah I think you cool. definitely see like how corrupt the system is mm -hmm. when you read Walter's story 
So I know, Kyle, you wanted to talk a little bit about like the corruption in the system. And Yeah, with the idea of corruption, I think it's really interesting. We see these examples of corruption, like not only through perjury by like members of the jury, which the court is actually taking place in, but we also see it through like police officers. We see it through members of the courts. We see it through state representatives who are actually passing this and allowing this corruption right. to take place. I think it's just insane. It's like, in a general, this isn't really taking place like in most of the world. Like it's really in general taking place in the South. Like not to say that like it's only um, native to the South, yeah. right? But it's like so much of this corruption is taking place because it's just acceptable because like you talked about race and just because like the legacy of discrimination because of slavery and the civil war, it's really interesting how this is acceptable. Yeah, it's just like a way of life. And so many people are oblivious to it too. Mm -hmm. Like right. they don't realize. And like I said, like it's not just taking place in the South, it's everywhere, but like in the South it's more general because of that impact of slavery mm -hmm. yes. in the Civil War. And mm -hmm. even like yeah. Brian who went down and he is a lawyer that graduated from Harvard, but since he was black, like he got treated differently. Mm -hmm. He was forced to like strip and like sign in where he wasn't supposed to. He got pulled over for like mm -hmm. no reason. Right. Yeah. Even knowing like these laws apply to everyone. Down in the South, it's only applying to people who are white. Mm -hmm. yeah. And even in some cases, it just matters, like, who you know. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting, like, how <clears throat> the courts, like, have such a big impact. Like, they have allies, like, in the state legislature, mm -hmm. in the public. When everyone backs you, and, like, a small minority, like, black people in the South are being represented, that it's just, like... Mm -hmm. For example, we see this quite early in the book, Just Mercy, with the example of Officer Tate who quite early in the book accused Walter, a regular working day black man from the South, who was accused of murder just because he was near the crime when it happened. He was a black man near the crime when it happened. Even known that like throughout the book, we could say like, there's no way he was the actual murderer because of blatant so evidence, much evidence. Yeah. so much evidence. Yeah, like alibis. we see I account witnesses proving this. We see other officers saying that he wasn't a part of this. We see relatives of the murderer even saying that like recant people recanting yeah because they were intimidated by the like right. witnesses saying where exactly. he was what yeah. time was was the was the 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 they gave. did they give a motive there there was no motive at all yeah that's, that's like an interesting yeah. part yeah. and that's I, for a crime to be committed you need a motive yeah. like there has to be a reason yeah mm -hmm. and it's just part of that corruption it's like people in power can just put that on anyone just because they're in power. White people too, white people in power right. in the South, it's scary. And it's not everyone, right. but it's like the majority of people in power are either oblivious to this or actually mm -hmm. taking part of this. So it's interesting seeing Bryden Stevenson come down here in a position of authority because he's a lawyer and still having no power because he's black as well. So it's interesting how in the yeah. South, the corrupt system is only relative to the white people in power and other mm -hmm. black people in power. So it's like people should be the foundation of the government, but in the South, it's just white people. Today's episode is sponsored by Kleenex. If you're going out to see the movie or deciding to read the book, you should definitely stop and get some Kleenex because you will be needing them. I know every one of our members needed them. <laughs> Kleenex. Since Kleenex tissues came out on the market in 1924, it has been the number one brand of facial tissues in the world and has become a genuine global icon. Kleenex. So something that had been brought up while we were discussing this book was the Black Lives Matter movement. And something that I was thinking about was it's kind of crazy how 
these stories that we're reading about, that Brian wrote about, isn't necessarily something we hear every day because the Black Lives Matter movement really focuses on, you know, corruption with the police and stuff, but you never hear really about what's happening after. And so... And then the movement that was started over top of, like, the Black Lives Matter movement was All Lives Matter, which wasn't... I don't know. How the Black Lives Matter movement started, it wasn't saying that not all lives matter. Like, that was not the point. It was kind of like an attack on the movement. It's like, right. we're trying to say, like, okay, let's bring attention to what's going on with police, police brutality and, like, discrimination and corruption with, like, African Americans in this country. And it's like, people are so angered by that, like, that they have to go about it in a way that, like, okay, well, we'll we're yeah. saying that all lives matter. It's like, of course, like all lives That's, have. Yeah. It's not about the point. Not that I'm saying black lives matter too. Yeah, we're right. just placing this focus right. on this specific race because so many incidents are happening. Like you just read right. this book and you realize that you, we need this focus mm. on this race right now. This just is not what fair. we should be focusing People want to say fair. all lives matter when they don't know. Like they're completely oblivious to what's going on. And they'll right. never like, know. They, they'll yeah. never know. Because you give someone, exa- like, say you go up to somebody with no prior knowledge of anything and say, are you Black Lives Matter? Or are you All Lives Matter? Of course you're going to say All Lives Matter if you're, yeah. like, a genuine person who cares. But it's like, if you actually think about the history, Black Lives Matter was started before. And it was in response to saying, like, yes, Black Lives Matter too, because nobody's focusing on these issues. But then what came after was All Lives Matter. So it's interesting because it's like, yes, of course they both matter, but... That's not what Black Lives Matter means. Yeah, it means that all lives do matter, including also Black lives. Yeah, and bringing awareness yeah. to love, everything that's going on. Because there is a lot of discrimination so, still going yeah. on yeah. a ton. And yeah. so you need to have something to call attention to that. Right. I love how this book is just, all together, it's just a whole new perspective on so many different issues. You know, disabled, yeah. African-Americans, women uh, in the justice system and how they're treated. Uh, how it needs to change. I mean, yeah. it really made me realize just yeah. things. <laughs> really opened right. it. Really, yeah. It really did. Yeah, I just yeah like that's it. Because there were so many different points that this book made. And like what Mrs. Tannehill said was, you really do become like a new person after you read this book. Like before, oh, 100%. I read just more seen after. Yeah, because right. so I thought I knew. I was like, oh, I know about corruption. Well, I know about all this stuff happening. But yeah. to see and to read, like this is not fiction. This is real. Everything that happened, everything that was in this book happened. And it's still happening. Probably. Right. Yeah. right. And he, I mean, this was only what, some of these stories were from what, 20, 10 right. years ago? Yeah. yeah. I mean. And if, these are crazy stories. If he, like, these are like real people. These are real yeah. effects. He humanizes them. And I love that. Because yeah. mm-hmm. they're yeah. humans. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you like stories. read an article, you just don't get that same impact exactly. of their personal it's so, experience. It's so objective. And he... Mm. He tells stories that are very you don't get subjective like, in their own. You don't get narrative. that family background. Or yeah. Anything right. Yeah. You know, like, imagine that was you. Yeah. 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 Like, emotional response. Like, emotional yeah, response. Yeah. Just like, yeah. You really get it. Mm-hmm. You really see it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he's going through when he's doing these cases. Yeah. Yeah. And the toll that he's had to face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So other than Walter's story, there's some other big topics that he focuses on, such as the effects on women and children. So Taylor, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I just wanted to go over how both women and children can be mistreated and wrongly convicted in the law system. And in the book, he has so many stories about women and children, but one woman who's wrong, uh, wronged like in the legal system was Marsha Colby. She was pregnant, and she didn't have any money to see a doctor, so she gave birth to a stillborn son. But once people knew about the stillborn, uh, she's arrested and charged with capital murder, despite all the lack of uh, credible scientific evidence that the baby was killed. And I mean, this isn't something that just happens one time. Like, another story the author goes into is about Bridget Lee, because she was in a similar circumstance. Uh, she also gave birth to a stillborn baby. But she was charged with capital murder, even though she didn't kill the baby. And she was wrongly imprisoned until um, six pathologists examined the baby's body and said that it di died uh, from a type of pneumonia, not because she killed the baby. Which is, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. But, and even children have been sent to prison for life and tried as adults for non-homicide crimes like before and at the ages of 13 like 14 right. like they're not even high schoolers at this point uh like for example one of the stories that really stuck out to me was about ian manuel he shot a woman in a robbery attempt bullet um went through the woman's jaw but she did survive but he was uh sentenced to prison for life where he was very very mistreated and especially because juveniles house and adults prisons because he was tried as an adult are five times more likely to be the victims of sexual assault. So he was put in solitary confinement just for that reason. And he was in solitary confinement for 18 years, which is just an insane amount of time. That's, yeah, that's like so much of your life. Yes. And just, just the effects of being by yourself. Like, yeah, and that's such a small like a space. Yeah. 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 So I many adults, like, no one can hear that. And they kind of talk about in the book, yeah. like, how that's, like, cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah, right. so, like, that oh, is yeah. horrific. Like, on that corruption level, like, that's, like, sure. Yeah. Like, while he was in there, he actually cut himself. It's like, those are cries for help, and yeah. he used to extend his sentence. That's insane. Um, like, the way that we go about this in our system, it's, like, people are crying for help. Yeah. And then what we do is we punish them. them like, that's right. insane to me. Right. Like, like do we have no sympathy? Mm -hmm. It's help. interesting. And you don't look at, like, any like mental effects that they might have right. like growing up like they're living in the foster care moving through families right mm -hmm. it's crazy yeah. especially when like as an adult because he's around his 30s he still acted just like a child mm -hmm. he still had that mindset he never really grew out of it and it's just sad to see that his mental health like just deteriorated so much yeah yeah, yeah. i know savannah wanted to talk about like mental illness and also effects that um these charges have on families all right so um on that topic i just wanted to say um more than half of inmates are actually diagnosed with a mental health disorder um to me that sadly wasn't really surprising because a lot of them have mental health issues before they even in prison you know and then they end up in prison and it just gets a lot worse from there you know um yeah, so actually, um, 70,000 prisoners are sexually abused every year. So, you know, obviously, the toll that that takes on them is just horrific. And 
almost 70% of people who have been incarcerated are arrested again within three years. That just, and that was just really surprising to me. It was really sad yeah. to hear that. I mean, prison should be about reform. Exactly. You should have some kind of rehab station right. to help yeah. them and not just throw them in cages. I mean, yeah. I feel like the whole point of prison is to get them ready to enter back in mm-hmm. as changed individuals. Yeah. So they yeah. won't do it again. And that's, <laughs> right. that's another exactly. problem. And come back. So they're not going to have this resentment towards the right. law system, I feel like, if right. they don't learn yeah. that they Naturally, did something yeah. wrong. And they often don't, they can't get the help that they need while they're in prison. Yeah. And then, it's just you know, worse. It they're just sexually abused. Worse. They're not listened to. They're right. forced into, like, solitary right. confinement. And all the yeah. jokes that, you know, the media makes about, oh, don't drop the soap. Right. Like, like that's we a know huge, this is happening. Yeah. yeah, nothing's getting done about it. Yeah, it's really, really sad. Um, yeah, and often, um, you know, the reason why they go back is because of those mental health issues that developed during their first sentence. You know, actually, um, every five and seven of prisoners that are arrested again within three years have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So, and mm-hmm. nothing is done about it. They don't get any help at all. That's just yeah. insane. Like we talked about it earlier, once you cry out for help, you just get punished even further. Right. Because you have that mm, right. disability. So, like, the prison system is just really set up just to keep you in prison. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, there's no reform. So, it's like, what can you expect when you're just deteriorating their yeah. mental yeah. capacities? Like, your boss will just lock you up. Yeah. It's horrible. So, it's like, regardless of your sentence, it's almost like you're just in prison for life, regardless if you're in or out of jail, because that effect is just. It's almost a crime in itself. It is. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, who's really committing the crime here? It's like, these people are obviously like, committing crimes. And it's like, are they mentally like capable of like not committing the crimes because of like their situations? And mm-hmm. it's like, then it goes to like, who has the moral responsibility of mm-hmm. helping these people actually live their lives in like mm-hmm. a legal way and like a safe way? But it's like, all we're doing is just setting them up for failure. Like yeah. our justice system mm-hmm. is just That's set up so this cute. way. So and all you know, all the signs, the early signs, just oh, like with Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer, how he would, you know, kill animals and just ha- I don't, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. something yeah, that we need yeah. to pay more attention to. Yeah, yeah. they try to get help. As right. far as I yeah, know. they don't yeah. have to have that help. They're just, they're just set up as like freaks or weirdos. Right. Like, yeah, you could try to help. We need to, we need to figure out who does and does not deserve to be in prison. Yeah, and for you know how long and. And if we could, and also, we can help them before yeah. they make those decisions yeah. that yeah. destroy their life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, too, um, this just has a really horrible effect on family members and children. You know, um, many children with incarcerated parents suffer from depression and other mental illnesses. And then they're at higher risk of um, future criminal behavior. So, it's like a really, cycle. it's just, yeah, it it's is a cycle. cycle. It's just generation after generation. It's a good but yet, yeah, people want to blame it on their parents. Right. That were in prison. And it's, I mean, it, yeah. Cycle. Yeah. yeah. going to have to take that last step in order to stop the cycle. So that's really up to yeah. who's going to do that. <laughs> so, if you didn't know, this book was actually adapted into a movie. 
uh, the same title, Just Mercy, starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savannah and I both watched the movie, and we definitely recommend reading the book first. Obviously, the book was much better than the movie. You get a lot of the thoughts that Brian had that you don't necessarily get in the movie, rather than just the events. So, what right. what did you think about it, Savannah? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I agree with you, though. It didn't really do the book justice, because you know, there are just so many little details that weren't in there. Right. And, um, you know, yeah, there are just so many, there were some things that were actually changed from the book. And I just, that kind of upset me because, you know, it was just more emotional to read it definitely. than to watch. You just don't get that same impact. So that's right. why we definitely recommend reading the book first. Yeah. So thanks a lot for listening to our podcast. And any final thoughts? Okay, guys. Injustice anywhere is justice everywhere.